Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to the Neighborhood Conversations where we chat about amazing things, diverse topics, uh, amazing things that community individuals are doing. Uh, and today we have the amazing Sue Lapia um, from United Way. And Sue has been on the Neighborhood Conversations before, and so she is not new to us as a family. And so, Sue, how are you? How's it going in Nova Scotia? How's it going? Yeah. I'm very well, thank you. It's it's good here. It's a mild day, a little rainy, um, but uh, a mild December day for sure. That's good. It's good to have a mild December and we're heading into the holidays. So happy holidays, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, I know we're not going to be able to, to record. But this is going to be one of our very last um, podcasts for 2023, entering into 2024. And so... Hopefully, at some point, we'll be able to connect. Um, but hey, it's always good to have impactful conversations. And Sue, I'm so honored to have you for our very last episode for this year. Um, and so let's get right into it. United Way has been doing so much impactful work this year of 2023. Um, and I, wanna, I want you to share a little bit of a light of some projects that United Way has undertaken to address the needs of community this year um, and just highlighting um, where you guys might be going into 2024, if you could share some of that. So, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, as you know from our previous conversations and and uh, maybe your listeners have been familiar with United Way, we have a poverty focus at United Way Halifax. And so we're really focused on poverty, housing and homelessness and issues of inclusion. And so that really informs all of our work. Um, and this particular last year has been one uh, where much of our, our work, um, years of planning and strategizing has actually blossomed into some opportunities in community. Um, so as an example, this, this past year, we launched a public policy training institute. Um, and it's really focused on uh, sector leaders who understand the implications of policy and legislation um, when it is not serving the people that they serve best. And they often um, have information about how policy could be changed to better impact on um, the people uh, that they're serving. And so this is a, a, a workshop style uh, learning opportunity, low barrier, very easy access in terms of cost. Um, and it's open to uh, you know, community uh, sector leaders from across the Atlantic Canada to come and learn, workshop a strategy when they've identified a policy that could be different and could serve community better to help them strategize how they can co-create good policy uh, with government. Um, it's not it's not rooted in uh, uh, being adversarial at all. It's really rooted in good um, you know co-creation and with a real focus on. On marginalization, understanding that there's so many um, equity-deserving groups who are disproportionately uh, poorly served by some of our policies and legislation. So it's got a strong lens in that. So we were able to bring that into uh, the, the, its launch in 2023 with wow, our partners, the Delmore Buddy Day Learning Institute and Nova Scotia yes. Community College. And right. so 20 plus graduates from across Atlantic Canada and now are ready to, to tackle policy issues that are important to them and the people that they serve in their organizations and, um, and do what government wants, which is to design policy that serves community well. And 
so it's really about being an ally to government. So that's one example. Um, of course, as you know, we had terrible wildfires this year across yeah. our, our province. Um, United Way has has not uh, had a lot of uh, experience in addressing climate crisis. I think our first uh, big step into it was during Hurricane Fiona and, and now through the wildfires. And what we're finding is that because we know people who are experiencing poverty are disproportionately impacted by climate crisis, and right. so many people are sitting on the precipice of poverty and a climate crisis can push them over that line, yeah. we are being called into the space to uh, help layer in additional supports for people who are marginalized or experiencing poverty. Um, and so, uh, our donors, incredibly generous, are incredibly talented and hardworking fundraisers really during the wildfires brought in, uh, so much energy and so many resources so that we could serve, uh, the community and layer on top what others were doing, like the Red Cross to really target people experiencing poverty and make sure that we could fill gaps for them, um, and help prevent some people maybe from being pushed into poverty. So that was, that was new work for us. Um, very meaningful work. We learned a lot. We continue to work with community services service providers. We learned so much for them and are forever grateful for the people who are on the ground that we can uh, support so they can serve people directly. A um, couple of things, you know, we're launching a community land trust. Um, a community land trust is a, is a uh, and we're doing this with partners uh, across um, HRM, uh, no, no, certainly not solo. Uh, United <laughs> Way is, is kind of um, you know, holding the funding contract and and holding the project management. Um, but it, the idea of a community land trust is it creates affordable ha housing by holding land and assets in yeah. in perpetuity for public good. Um, yeah. And so this is really exciting. We're finishing a, a, a funding project with funding from CMHC um, to be able to design a community land trust um, informed by community. And we've spent the yeah. last couple of years engaging with community to design a community land trust that would best serve HRM well. And so we're just in the final stages of that and uh, developing an implementation plan for 2024. Um, so lots going on there. We're, we're producing a poverty solutions report. Uh, you may remember in 2018, we launched our first poverty uh, solutions report in communities. Excuse me, I, I, I misspoke. The poverty action report. Our first yeah. report was a poverty solutions report. This is really a poverty action report. It's an up-to-date um, look at uh, the situation of poverty in our community um, and what has happened that has been uh, beneficial, but what still needs to happen to keep moving forward because as we know, things have gotten worse. Uh, there's a lot of influencing factors that are making conditions really difficult for people, um, housing crisis, a cost of living crisis. But there's yeah. been some good work done, too. So we need to look at that um, and then look at the data to see how we can keep doing better. So those are a lot of there's a few examples just off the wow. top of my head. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm so happy that United Way is actually doing this work in connecting with community in so many ways and bringing it together, especially supporting the, the, the less, the most vulnerable communities. Um, and also, um, the areas of homelessness has really affected, um, this year, especially, um, just being on the policies and the guidelines that's been, um, in so much 
conversations and United Way has been one of those organizations that has advocated for change and advocated for 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 possibilities of shifting the 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 status quo I would call it and so I commend this organization for doing it and I I see United Way in Toronto and seeing what they're doing and so like it's just that it, it speaks to um, the mission and the passion. I can see that you're passionate about the work, and that really admires um, the 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 smile at where we're going. And the community land trust. I feel like that's an amazing initiative that brings better change and also bringing the role of community um, into that um, and having their input into those areas. So important. I I, I have a follow up question. Like how like. I know we always talk about community and getting community input. And sometimes people define getting community input in so many definitions. So yeah. clarify with us, how are you connecting with these communities in order to get the feedback that United Way needs in order to do this work? Yeah, let's go into that. A, a lot of it was just through direct conversation, right? Going out yeah. into communities, talking to residents, talking to talking to other community land trusts. Community land trust is not unique to United Way Halifax. The one that we are trying to uh, develop would be HRM wide, so it would have a, a larger scale and scope. There's many smaller geographically focused community land trusts that need to. Um, that need to be part of this and want to be part of this. And we want them to be part of it because it's not about competition. It's about cooperation. It's about collaboration. Right. How right. can the scale of a larger land trust help support the yeah. interests of a smaller, more community focused land trust? And how can a community focused land trust really help inform a larger, yeah. you know, sort of uh, effort so that their interests are also included. So it's really about co collaboration and co cooperation and, and many, many of the conversations have happened in person, in communities, in, you know, sort of uh, community centers and, and yes. churches and um, with the participation of local partners to help bring, um, you know, the, the people that they're in relationship uh, with into the conversation. So a lot of it's really happened in person. Um, and we're taking that, that feedback very, very seriously. Um, this needs to be a community land trust that serves community the way community wants to be served. Um, and we have a, an advisory committee, a community-based advisory committee that is very committed to that. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers your questions about how the oh, consultation yeah. happened. I love your two words, um, collaboration and cooperation. They bring together the togetherness of where we use. And I use the Del Mora Buddy Days um, always saying, um, Sylvia Paris, the CEO of Demar, but she will always say Umbutu, um, which means our success is your success, bringing that togetherness into, into that perspective. And so I feel good on that perspective. And I also add commitment, um, having that commitment to continue to move forward um, and trust that United Way is doing amazing things when it comes down to um, being, bringing communities together and really putting their input in, and being intentional 
into that into that perspective. Well, and it's it's very true of United Way. We often say we just don't do anything alone. Like there's not no. a single initiative that we're involved in that that we're in it alone. It's always with partners, as you we mentioned, Delmore Buddy Day for the Public Policy Training Institute, other partners, other community land trust for the larger uh, HRM wide community land trust. Um, it's always in partnership because we all have something to contribute. None of us can yeah. do this alone. No, no single layer of government. No, you know. Uh, department of government, not the business sector, not the nonprofit sector. None of us can do this alone. We have to no, work in concert together. We, we have, have to. to. Yeah, we have to definitely. Um, shifting into the wildfire um, that happened this um, past year, and that was so devastating to see certain homes be destroyed and also um, certain spaces um, having to look for some certain organizations and certain um, people having to look for other areas of support. Talk about what United Way did um, in the role of, of supporting those individuals and how were those funds, like how you talked about some of the funds that were collected, how those funds distributed and also being able to connect in that way. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the successes of that. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to listen to some Nova Scotia Works client stories. I look forward to my family's security in the future. That's the main goal as a father. The empowerment from changing careers has really just made me want to get out of bed in the morning. I'm looking forward to growing my business. So I want to hire people like I was hired. I want to give guys that chance. Il me fera plaisir de continuer à travailler avec les immigrants francophones en Nouvelle-Écosse. I'm looking forward to the financial freedom that I never had before. And now back to the podcast. Sure. Um, so as in all of our work, we really work with on-the-ground service providers. And so um, we worked with service providers in Hammonds Plains, Tantallon. And while we don't normally work in the Shelburne-Barrington area, we did get permission from United Way Canada, who yeah. oversees our jurisdictions, to, to stretch our reach into the Shelburne-Barrington area because there is no United Way down there. So we met with local service providers, people in the community, you know, and and usually very small grassroots organizations, and again, sometimes churches, community associations, those sorts of things, who know their community well, who know the residents, who were on the ground. In, in every case, I think all of those service providers were also evacuated along with, with their fellow residents. Um, and really had the the shared experience of the what that trauma was, whether they had been evacuated and then returned home to you know all that that entails, you know, food rotten in fridges and and you know just all of that 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 uh, unpleasantness, returning to a neighborhood to see your house okay, but your neighbor's gone. They were all in that together, and it was it was traumatic and. Um, and upsetting, but the service providers working in both of those communities on the ground just rolled up their sleeves and said, you know, I've got something to do to help. Um, in some cases, it was, I've been blessed, my home is saved. In other cases, it was, you know, I, I've lost my home and I have uh, neighbors who've also lost their homes. I have to contribute for all of us. And so people were, who were fully impacted were really on the grounds doing this work. So United Way uh, funded those organizations. Uh, we created a, an application process and system that saw money move into the community within days. And um, 
and we supported, for the most part, basic needs of food in, in refrigerators and freezers that had spoiled for people who were able to return home, for people who had lost their home or had severe damages. It, it could have been gas, food, um, you know, uh, toys for their kids, clothes, basic needs, diapers, medication, re replace CPAP machines, those sorts of things. It was just all of the basic needs. So that's where a lot of the money has gone is to is to basic needs that the service providers were able to work directly with the community members to make sure that they had what they need. We have reserved um, a portion of the money to help uh, provide additional supports for folks who were uninsured. Um, and as is sometimes the, the case, there's there's very good reasons why somebody might not have an insured home. Sometimes they're not insurable, um, that, that they can't get insurance on it for whatever reason. Right. Um, yeah. uh, other times they may be in between providers for, again, another reason. Um, and so th that's a huge impact on somebody to own a home and then have it gone with no insurance. So we've reserved some funds that we can work um, in collaboration with the Canadian uh, Red Cross and other, uh, other disaster responders um, to try to do our best to get those people to, uh, to as fulsome a recovery as we possibly can over the next, uh, over the next months. That's really amazing and commendable to the work and also to, the, to those um, that, was, um, that was faced. They were also assisting and helping and, 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 and working together with you folks, which is phenomenal. Um, to, and this is we speak about community. Yeah. It was humbling. I mean, the, in, in so many of the places we were seeing, you know, staff members in some cases, but volunteers in other cases working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, just doing everything they could, you know, being in libraries so people could pick up gift cards, driving gift cards to people, you know, just everybody was just pulling out all the stops to support their neighbors and united way honestly and thanks to our donors who were quick to step forward and quick to say we want to help and we want to support united way to help those disproportionately impacted fortunately we had the resources to do that and to be able to layer on some additional supports and we were blessed and honored um, to be in that space wow that's really amazing so that's really really amazing and it goes into my next question like I know you spoke about this, but in your opinion, what does community involvement play in the success of United Way's mission? And we talked about this, but just focusing on just um, giving organizations the inspiration of how they should also continue to center community, um, because that's how sometimes organizations tend to go into the wrong direction um, when they don't center community um, and following their ways of doing things instead of getting the input of community. So let's talk a little bit about that, yeah. Well, honestly, the community input is absolutely everything. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter for us whether it's in standing up a, a, a crisis response like it was for the wildfires and being able to, you know, uh, to listen to the community and 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 hear what they needed, every application set and other, because if we missed something in the list of things you were eligible for, we needed to know what that was. And that was one gateway somebody could write in something that we would then know that they needed that we wouldn't otherwise. So it, from, from that sort of really practical level through to, you know, meetings in the communities, we met with the Residents Association and Hammonds Plains Tantalans in the, in the days after people had returned to their homes because they wanted to understand what United, was, what United Way was doing, how 
how we were going to fund, yeah. who we were going to fund. They wanted to give us input about what they thought we should be doing, who we, they thought we should be doing it with. So we went and we sat down with them and we talked to them um, and we're yeah. grateful to do so because they were so informative. But our, our, our whole organization, whether it's in response to something like the wildfires or whether it's our strategy, our focus on poverty, housing and homelessness and inclusion, that all comes from community. That's all because we asked the community what we should be focused on. And that's what we were told. And um, our board is, is again, community members um, who are accountable and uh, provide the oversight and governance. Um, we work with voices of lived experience uh, in all of the work that we do to listen to the voice of lived experience of poverty and marginalization so that we can we can do it better um, in making funding decisions. We draw on volunteers from community and try to make sure that those volunteers are representative of um, the communities that are going to be benefiting from the funding to make sure that they have voice in it. Um, so really, that community input is 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 absolutely a central pillar to who we are. Wow, that's so amazing, Sue. Thank you so much for for giving light. Um, to also um, adding the live experience because some people do not know how to give the bring those live experience um, community individuals into perspective and I feel like that's really commendable um, to the work that United Way is doing and stuff like that so yeah I would like to add we don't get it right all the time like we but no. what I would say at United Way is that we're very felt self-reflective that we yeah. would definitely we when we wanted to start looking with people with lived experience it took us some you know we it took us learning um but we are a learning organization and we do listen um so we we certainly don't get it right every time but we do <laughs> want to listen to community and yeah. um and respond to their really valuable guidance and and that includes working with people with lived experience and and yeah. we've adapted and changed and hopefully we'll continue to do so. As you can tell, yeah. I'm a proud, proud United Way staff member, <laughs> um, but are. I'm proud of the organization because uh, it's a group of probably about 25 people as staff members and then all of our our governance and board and committees of shared values. And mm. um, so it's, it's working at a place who is who has the shared values of, of community first, equity mm -hmm. first, respect yeah. first, yeah. Um, is, is really important. Yeah, and speaking about not always getting it right, I goes into my next question on like some of the challenges, have, what are some of the challenges has United Way encountered in its mission and how has the organization adapt to overcoming them? And I know that you talk about learning, reflecting and, 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 and building on, which is really nice. So like, deeply go into that um that conversation with that so yeah oh the challenges um you know the issues are so big mm -hmm. you know uh the impact of a pandemic the impact of isolation on people yeah. from the pandemic uh yeah. the financial impact of the pandemic i mean has just that with um, really decades of policy um, decisions that have left us in the housing crisis we're at now. I mean, yeah. the challenges that we all face are the challenges United Way faces, yeah, that the yeah. issues are big and they are, they stem from, uh, you know, decisions made long ago and then reinforced. Um, and then, uh, so the, I think those are our biggest challenges. Um, really, most 
most. I, I have not met somebody uh, yet working at United Way who doesn't want better for community. Whether you're a donor, whether you're working at an agency that we fund, um, whether you're part of an association, uh, whether you're a citizen on the street that's encountering the homeless encampments, whether you're a government official or a politician at the municipal, provincial, or federal level, everybody wants better. Yeah. It's complicated. It's complex. Changing policies takes time. Understanding the implications of policy decisions made decades ago takes time and bravery to change those. Yeah. Um, we're in a situation where our housing is seen as a commodity instead of a human right. That's a massive challenge. Yeah. That's a massive challenge that, that requires, well, it requires, honestly, I think that's part of why we've stood up the CLT. I don't think we're going to undo the market system that we've created. I don't think no. we're getting rid of that. But I do think that we can create a parallel system to it. And that's something like a community land trust can contribute to. So I try to think about how do we create systems that run alongside existing systems. And the, the best example I have to that is, is something like our transit system. So we yeah. have really two models. We have a model right. of self-owned automobiles where people drive and and uh, many many people uh rely on cars as their form of transportation but we also have a parallel system a public transit system and uh bike lanes and uh, uh an active transportation system that are a parallel system to cars and they coexist we don't yeah. think about should we yeah. have public system or cars. We think about yeah. how do we create those things to complement each other. And so, so you may have the privilege and opportunity of driving a car to get where you're going. But if you don't drive, can't drive, don't want to drive, are too young, have a disability, can't afford it, the public transit system provides you with a different opportunity that sits alongside the other system. And I think we need to create those same systems when it comes to things like housing and food security and those sorts of things. And a community land trust is like that. So I don't think we're going to undo what we've done, but I think we can think differently about how do we create something that coexists. Yeah, moving forward. Yeah, as we continue to move forward, and it's always forward thinking, not trying to go back, but forward thinking for sure. Sue, this has been an amazing conversation. I feel like I wish we could have more of this type of conversation that speaks value and speaks um, where we want to go. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I will say, uh, you know, I, 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 as as I'm talking about this this last piece of, you know, systems change. Um, yeah. or parallel systems. This is this is not Sue original thinking. This is really no. a down to a colleague that I have named by the name of Kevin Hooper, which is our our, our housing advisor, our senior housing advisor. And wow. um, I hope your podcast comes back and I would encourage if it comes back to reach out to Kevin because Kevin is just a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous resource of information about yeah. things like community land trust and systems change. And he's a planner by, by background. Um, so if your podcast comes back, I would encourage you to reach out to him as well oh definitely for sure it'll be really a, a pleasure to do that um sue it, it's been good it's been really good to have you on here and to bring this conversation into perspective um leave us with a little little bit of a hope as we go into this holiday and into the new year um with a perspective of innovation 
for change because we talk about innovating and impacting so much um, and so much different levels of impact um, as we continue to move forward. What do you got for us as we vision and visualize impact into 2024? What should we be thinking? What should we be challenging the government, nonprofits, and the status quo as we continue to move forward? Yeah, I, I said a lot, but I feel like this is like a moving statement that's going to help people think as they um, continue to build. Yeah. I think for me, it's be kind and expect and call for others to be kind. And and that mm. when when governments are thinking about the best interests of their community with kindness right. and a human right. rights lens, right. then mm -hmm. they will make choices that are different. Yeah. Kindness is so important. I feel like sometimes that's not being brought into the perspective of, of change. Um, and I feel like that that's what's going to leave us um, to want to do more and also um, be more empathetic towards each other. Yeah. It's a simple word for um, a complexity of behaviors. Mm, I like that. I like that. I like that. Wow. So as always, this is always a good conversation. It's always good to like have a chat with you. Um, thank you for coming on to our conversation today. Um, oh, thanks, Templeton. And, yeah. and I really do hope your podcast comes back. Um, yeah. it's, it's, been a, it's been a joy being here, having these conversations with you, listening to your podcast. So um, I do yeah. truly hope this is not the last one. Yes, yes. And folks, yes, this is going to be the very last episode of the Neighborhood Conversations until we build another um, venture of bringing this, these conversations back. And so we'll definitely see you somewhere in 2024 um, and be able to, to, to connect. But stay tuned to our socials on Teamwork Cooperatives page or their website um, on where this podcast is going next. Until then, have a great holiday and happy new year. See you soon. This podcast is funded by the Government of Nova Scotia.